Hello and welcome to IOSH Magazine's podcast series. These podcasts will feature exclusive interviews with industry experts, behind-the-scenes discussions with members, and conversations with future leaders of the health and safety profession. What inspires you as an OSH practitioner? Gone are the days of heading to a library to get a book on safety or learning how to do safety from a higher education course. Those coming into the profession as their first choice, second choice and beyond will be inspired by a huge range of traditional and non-traditional sources. In this episode, two members of the IOSH Future Leaders Steering Group explore where they get their inspiration from and be inspired to check out some potentially different places to learn about safety. I'm delighted to welcome Lucia Rivolta, who is based in Italy and is the Global Health and Safety Manager at French technology company Critio, and Peter Jenkins, Group Health and Safety Manager at UK food manufacturer Delziel. Lucia and Peter will discuss where they got their inspiration from as a health and safety professional and can hopefully give you, our listeners, some fresh ideas. Great to have you on the IOSH Magazine podcast, Lucia and Peter. Welcome. I'm really pleased you could join us today to talk about what inspired you as safety professionals. So let's dive right in. Lucia, what inspires you the most about occupational safety and health and why? Well, health and safety hasn't always been my first career interest, to be honest. I came into the health and safety world inspired by the opportunity to create safer environments and prevent people to feel alone when facing health and safety issues within a company. I've always been an unselfish and protective person and I've always felt the desire to have a job which could allow me to create something meaningful for others. Uh, Reading many articles describing how a poor health and safety culture and management could lead to ruin people's life always made me feel uncomfortable. Especially, I got inspired by a very sad story of a woman, a mother of two, who died at the age of 38, trapped in a blast furnace. She was exhausted and about to burn out, but actually she needed that job, and so she kept going on, despite all difficulties she was facing. After reading this very sad story, I really felt that health and safety is an integral part of our lives, not only, you know, at work, but also private life. And, and also a poor health and safety um, management can affect our personal lives in a bad way. This really motivated me. And I really believe becoming a global health and safety manager was in my DNA. Amazing. Peter, what inspires you? Thank you so God blimey. It's it's probably easiest to think a little bit about where I would come from um, at the start. So when I was first thinking about what to do after university, I'd, I was very much doing a degree in environmental health that was quite a generalist approach that included food safety, health and safety, housing, public health and environmental protection. So that was very much focused in the public sector. But through ultimately having a look at what opportunities were available to me at the time, I ended up moving from the private sector. In, sorry, in, from the public sector into the private sector, because I really wanted to focus on being able to just deliver more impactful and sustainable change in a way that, unfortunately, the public sector just wouldn't allow. So really, when it comes down to what inspires me the most about occupational safety and health, it is literally just the sheer amount of opportunities that exist every single day, pretty much through everything that we do. 
I mean, health and safety is very much one of those professions where you have so many touch points with employees from the factory floors, from literally boots on the ground operations, all the way through to people in the boardroom. And those global opportunities that we can see for health and safety have been very present through, unfortunately, the last couple of years with COVID, where we've literally seen every single person be unfortunately touched by a very significant health and safety hazard. I think what's really important and what's really inspirational is the fact that we can be ourselves, quite unashamedly ourselves at times, through what we do in health and safety. You know, if, we, if, we, if we're quite excitable people, if we're quite bubbly people, we can really share that and explore that through the work that we do on a daily basis. Uh, for myself, I'm quite an analytical person and I really enjoy the level of detail that I can go into in health and safety and some of the work around it. That said, I'd also say that we can have the opportunity to learn. And that's learning about ourselves, but it's also learning from others. The Future Leaders community has been fantastic for me and I and really getting a chance to learn from other people and simply be inspired by the stories that come out every single day through every webinar, every session, every conference and every chat message that comes through. It's an absolute phenomenal profession to be in, to have that facilitated learning where we can really just unite together against common hazards, common goals, and really seize the moment to take action, progressive action in health and safety. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I absolutely love it. And the, the, I don't think it's probably easy to say probably what doesn't inspire me in some ways from occupational health and safety, because it is, it, it is just so good from being able to empathize, engage, enthuse, embed, evolve every day. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love your enthusiasm. That's great. Um, so thinking about sort of technical um, learning, over your careers to date, how has the way you've, you learn about technical safety changed? Lucia? Well, that's a very good question. And, um, well, I must confess that the way I managed to learn or retrieve technical information about my job has changed a lot. And what really changed that is, you know, my, um, my, um, when I joined Irish, the Irish community. Uh, to be honest, in the past, I simply used to Google what I needed. But actually, I realized, how can I be sure that what I find on the internet is really high quality or Absolutely. is really, you know? So that, you know, that was kind of an issue for me. So where do I go where I want to find, you know, when I want to retrieve technical information, when I want to learn? And I started using LinkedIn Learning uh, to learn on subject matter topics. But what really gave me a boost, again, was Ayush. On the Ayush platform, you cannot only find courses or training, but also I got the opportunity to expand, extend my, my network. And now I am in contact with a variety of OSH professionals from all over the world and being, you know, in different industries. And that helped me a lot, you know, to retrieve technical details or also to be helped on a specific project with specific, you know, uh, skills, technical skills. Um, Ayush is granting um, also a, a wide number of webinars conferences, workshops. And I also find this way of learning very, very useful, less boring, probably, you know. And Much more interactive. Of, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I also do learn from others' experience and expertise, basically. Fantastic. Really interesting. How about you, Peter? 
Well, I, as, as Lucia said, it's a great question. And, do you know, for my sins, I think it's quite easy when you come from a higher education background to think that you've kind of got a good handle on technical knowledge. Now, higher education is definitely, it absolutely has a place. I've been through an undergraduate degree. I've done a PG dip. And it gives you a really good basis of technical knowledge. But what it kind of lacks is context mm. and being able to actually apply that technical knowledge in a way that actually ha- pr- creates meaningful impacts and mm. delivers the outcomes that we want to see. So when it came around to me, very interesting about how, how I learn about the te- technical knowledge, that was pretty much my first step. I'm a big believer that if we understand ourselves and if, for example, like we're visual learners, audio learners, kinesthetic learners, if we learn best by doing it or learn it from others or learn it from courses, we can position ourselves to not only understand the purely technical elements of the knowledge, but to understand the context and the application as well. Now, one of the big issues that I've had throughout my career is perhaps around a, a lack of engagement with wider communities. And this is something that we just discussed there. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Until, well, I think it was maybe earlier on last year, it was actually before the last Future Leaders Conference within IOSH, mm-hmm. I actually didn't engage with any branches, groups, conferences, didn't really kind of do that much around that side of the scene. And through COVID and through sort of since engaging with the Future Leaders Conference, it's actually massively opened my eyes to a whole different world of learning around technical knowledge and giving me it's given me the confidence if you will to not only engage with some of my peers outside of work but also to just network with the whole global community of health and safety professionals and for that linkedin has been absolutely fantastic now i'm sure i don't need to tell anyone here that linkedin is also full of salespeople. oh God. <laughs> yes tell oh, me about it <laughs> absolutely is absolutely is and, and don't get me wrong some of these salespeople and sales uh, managers will very much be delivering solutions and programs that do solve health and safety concerns or health and safety topics through some very technical application however having the critical thinking and the ability to really analyze the benefits and the consequences from that solution has really helped actually dive down into the meat of what, what's made it as good as it is and how can I apply that? How can I learn from that? And really, who else is a passionate leader that might not be a salesperson in that particular topic area that I can subscribe to on LinkedIn, that might do a podcast or might just even have done a podcast episode perhaps with someone uh, that I can learn from? So, yeah, very much the inspiration has been through communities, networking, LinkedIn, podcast technology, and identifying a brilliant a network that I can dive into to get some additional context as well as the core information itself. That's brilliant to hear. So talking about influence and leaders, um, growing the power skills of OSH professionals is a huge part of our current president, Louise Hosking's agenda for her presidential year. What sources of inspiration help you develop your own power skills, Lucia? Well, this is another very, very important topic. And here I really have to mention the mentoring program offered by Ayush. Brilliant. Meeting, meeting Robert, my, my mentor, um, has really had an impact on my soft and behavioral skills. Um, so I'm not talking about technical nor on the job skills, but you know, those set of skills anyone could take advantage from both in professional and private life. I got inspired by him on public speaking, for example. I was 
terrified when, you know, um, being part of the Future Leaders uh, Committee meant also um, being, you know, on the stage in, in some cases, as it's going to be during the conference, for example. And just listening to his experience and to his suggestions or method methodology got a huge impact on me. Uh, power of behavioral skills is a particular set of skills. And I have to say, these skills can be influenced, of course, by non-safety things. Before becoming a health and safety professional, uh, I had the opportunity to be an experienced workplace manager. So I was the person um, in the office, it was an office environment. So I was the person um, with the aim to create the best experience possible for all workers while at work. I've never forgotten those values and those skills. Um, they are still inspiring me. So now I'm a, I'm a professional keen on providing not only good experience while at work, uh, but also a manager keen on creating special workplace culture based on key values, which are not health and safety values only. Values like togetherness, openness, being impactful, fairness, equity and balance. So there is plenty of non-safety aspects that may contribute to, to your inspiration. Great. And Peter, how do you develop your own power skills? So I absolutely love that we can move beyond calling these soft skills. You know, if we, if we were to start looking at power skills as the, for, for what value they bring to the profession, calling them power skills is absolutely the right thing to do. I'd always felt that perhaps from a soft skill point of view, it almost diminishes the value that they can add to businesses, what they can add to the OSH profession, and what they can do for our own development as well. So absolutely loving that power skill piece. I think one thing that this feeds quite nicely into is a bit of a superpower that every single OSH professional has, and it's the power of reflection. So fundamentally, when we think about how to develop our skills, how to develop ourselves, I think if we start with a really strong piece of personal reflection, a very honest and objective understanding of where we are right now, but also who we want to be and how we want to be when we get there and what checkpoints and what goals we can accomplish on the way. Now, for me, I have got an IOSH mentor. It's a, a chap called Wouter, and he is absolutely phenomenal. He's been brilliant at facilitating these types of conversations. And he's really helped me to articulate what I want out of a job, just generally speaking, even an OSH job, but just a job. What do I want in a career? What what really means something to me relative to my domains, my values and what's important, and what I hold close to me? Notwithstanding, I do definitely think that when we've had that piece of reflection, that we can really look inwards to ourselves and genuinely just inspire ourselves by being the best version possible by, by wanting to be the best versions of ourselves possible yeah there's so much that we can look for in today's day and age uh, in through social media seeing people that are these really high flyers type of stuff and using them as aspirational points but from an inspiration point of view in some ways the clues in the name it's it's within you it is it's inspiration so don't feel ashamed or anything like that if you genuinely want to be inspired by yourself and by your own desires, and by your own drive to achieve what you want to achieve. There's also a second little superpower that I think we have as well. And I've said little, but arguably it's perspective, which can actually be quite big. 
you know, we, we have such an innate ability as OSH professionals to see more than just what's on the surface. Through our day-to-day jobs, for example, with accident investigations, we'll investigate, we'll analyse, we'll interrogate the processes, we'll find out what it is that we want to know or need to know. And there's nothing to say that we can't start to do that literally for the wider world around us. If we identify, for example, if we want to be better at public speaking or if we want to be better at selling a message, if we want to be able to be a more inspirational leader or a better facilitator, hey, these aren't just OSH things. These things Mm. that are completely inclusive to the world of work around us. So we can absolutely look there as well. And recently, for example, one thing, uh, a couple of places I've uh, had a look at uh, from a work culture point of view is around Netflix's culture statements and culture documents. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you get a chance to find any podcast episodes with Ruth Denyer mm. uh, from Netflix, she gives a phenomenal explanation over culture and kind of what it means. She's great. Well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And I might touch upon some of the work that she does a little later on. Great. As well. But, you know, we can have a look for things uh, around, for example, building psychologically safe cultures. Arguably a massive, massive skill to have. We can have a look around maybe marketing and creative industries for how they build psychologically safe environments for their staff to push the boundaries of what they can do with marketing. Um, There's a case study by a guy called Gareth Turner, who's the head of marketing for Weetabix. And it was on the baked beans on Weetabix tweets. that went. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Amazing. 1.3 billion impressions. Wow. So imagine if as safety professionals, we had a team that delivered a safety message that reached 1.3 billion people. That'd be amazing. Oh, it would be unreal. (laughs) So being able to work as part of a team that can curate and create something like that. My God, there's so much psychological safety that goes into it so that you can be bold. You can Mm. dare to be different and you can potentially push the boundaries of what might seem I'm going to say risky here, but risky in the sense of ever marketing bit where it's not necessarily perhaps as life and death as some bits in health and safety is. But arguably, it's still creating that psychologically safe environment to do it. Similarly, if we're looking at selling health and safety messages, hey, let's look at advertisements. I honestly cannot get the uh, new Walls Cornetto, give it to me song, out of my head. It's been living in there rent free for the best part of like 15 years. So same again, if we could deliver a message through some of the type of things that advertisement companies use, hey, could we start embedding these type of messages a bit better? Could we look at startups for how to build an engaged health and safety champion membership base in the same ways that these startups build good customer bases? And can we look to things like the high performance podcast for how we can deliver and develop high performance in our own teams? So there's so much inspiration Mm -hmm. literally everywhere in the world. I think we just need to have the perspective to be able to see it, grab it, and apply. That's really, really interesting. I really like the uh, the idea of looking inside yourself for inspiration, the in in inspiration. I've not come across that before, so um, that's particularly interesting. Thank you, Peter. Oh, thank um, so you. let's move on to technology. I'd be really interested to find out how technology plays a part i know you've mentioned podcasts and webinars and things but how how else does technology play a part in inspiring the modern health and safety professional yeah well i think this is the era of technology you know um we're always you know we're always with our smartphone in our hand we're always using a laptop or a pc you know so um, that there are always initiatives to improve worker safety in general and technology is, of course, playing its part in improving the situation. 
Um, here, um, I'm referring especially to the many apps, applications that are available, you know, on mm-hmm. the market and on the internet that have been developed around the globe, which are inspiring new ways of, of making the health and safety and improving safety in organizations. Um, I'm very passionate about ergonomics, for example, and I'd love to mention uh, the ergonomics wellness app or, for example, another one called Headspace. They're really, really helpful um, to inspire a well-being culture among workers, for example, especially in an office, because that's the environment I live the most, being a global health and safety manager for, you know, for an, um, you know, a, a technological company. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm also noticing that even for more risky industries, the mobile technology applications for health and safety are increasing. So not only for an office environment, but for more risky industries. Um, so they are improving and increasing in number, um, despite the fact it's not very easy to, um, you know, to select the right one because not everything on the market has the same quality. Um, for, uh, just to make a few examples, um, I got inspired by something called iAuditor. This is an inspection app that allows users to build checklists, to conduct inspections, file reports on the move and in real time. So this is not going to just save your time, but also it's going to save paper, maybe not, you know? So a more sustainable way to do that, to the same task, to do the same activity, but in a new way and uh, in a better way in the, most of the cases. As said, it's not very easy, you know, to choose among all the technological supports available um, to maximize your work. Um, so actually, my suggestion is always to, you know, use your network to ask if someone else already u- is using something, you know, because in that, that way is going to be, you, you're going to be sure it has, be, it has been tested and actually been used already by someone, you know, next to you who can give you feedback or suggestions. So um, to me, this is the suggestion. So I think you can use your networking to be, you know, to be sure to make the best choice. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Peter? Do you know, technology is a very interesting thing to look at at a meta level. And, And what I mean by that is that if we think about what we're trying to do with health and safety when we come into businesses, we often look at delivering culture change. And sometimes when we do culture change, when we deliver culture change programs, it's introducing new ways of working with health and safety to a lot of people. Now, what we find is that those that might have been more involved with health and safety in the past have an easier time understanding the concepts and the work that we want to do. Those that might have worked in a very rigid structure, though, might find that that piece of transition is difficult. And we can actually look at technology the same way. So I have some friends who have quite young children. And honestly, how quickly they can use an iPhone. It's is crazy, quite, isn't it? It's quite scary. Good God, I honestly cannot believe it. My one and a half year old niece the other day was scrolling on my sister-in-law's phone. She's one and a half and she knew where the home button was and everything. Insane. Honestly, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost lost for words. Quite scary. It, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And as, as part of that, we can actually start to think, well, actually, 
what do we use technology for now? But how do the workers of the future, how do the employees of the future start use technology already? And how natural do they find it? Uh, like my dad, he is what, what, 72 next month. And he's got five mobile phones. And incrementally, he started using ones with bigger screens and less buttons, right? So he's now got to the point where he's got himself an iPad, he's got himself a phone. And he understands the patterns behind how to use technology, right? It's now literally the fact that in three button presses, he can unlock his phone, he can click on an app, and he's doing exactly what he needs to do, right? It's a pattern. So when we think about how technology can inspire health and safety professionals, we might actually be able to think about how do people outside of work use technology and what touch points do they have as part of their natural day-to-day life, the ones where they literally unlock a phone, they swipe, they do something. Mm. But how can we start integrating that into technologies, uh, sorry, into health and safety as well? It does present a slight double-edged sort of sword, though, because we've got this insane accessibility the technology and insane application to health and safety that we can do but it means that te- technology just it, it permeates everything absolutely everything so if i was to, I, I don't mean to start on a negative point but i mean there's i said a little bit before about the comparison culture that we have with technology instantly we can look at our phone jump on linkedin and see dozens of different professionals that are absolutely nailing it every single day and that can be a massive hit to your self-esteem if you're quite a young professional thinking, right, I want to carve my way in the world. I want to really do this type of health and safety because you can see people that have already been there, done that, not only got the T-shirt, but hey, they've got the app, right? <laughs> and it, it, it can be very difficult to kind of work past that comparison culture. Similarly, we start to see uh, technology be used for more accessible shaming, if you will, of some people's safety performance or safety activities. I don't know if anyone follows James Pomeroy uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. He's, he's a global health and safety director at a role previously having been at Lloyd's Register. Mm. And he gave a really good definition of safety shaming recently. Um, do, do you mind if I share it? Is that no, a, absolutely. Right, cool. So his definition was the practice of sharing videos on social media that show people being injured or killed. Often defended under the pretense of learning, the videos are taken out of context and without the individual's or deceased's consent. They humiliate and shame individuals. The practice is unethical. And this is a, a complete, oh God, it's, it's almost a bit of a deviation of how we anticipated technology could be used to share health and safety messages because yeah. it's been corrupted by this kind of self-serving need to point out something that is arguably a tragedy and then almost make light of it for the sake of, and I'm saying here in inverted commas, learning. So however accessible technology is and however easy it is for people to fall into these patterns of learning it can have some quite negative Mm. outcomes and negative effects to it that said that said there's obviously a huge amount of positive inspiration that health and safety professionals can use and take from technology Uh, the first of which being communities i've got over the last year the amount of communities that i've engaged with digitally due to covid it is incredible looking at for example the upcoming future leaders conference with iosh i mean we've got dozens of countries that are going to have representation there. That would we wouldn't have been able to do that to half that level if it had been a purely physical type of conference. So it's an amazing community builder from that point. And as Lucy was saying before, we've got so much of the way of smart technology now. Without sort of wanting to to give too much of specific examples, I, you know we can see it in, in vehicles, for example, that identify fatigue because they're shining cameras at our eyes through the dashboards type of thing. That technically is very much a safety uh, solution, 
but fundamentally one that's integrated with something that we use every day. As I say, we've got the accessibility of information that's come through quite well, but we're now also seeing more of the application and understanding of safety, but not really marketed as safety. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, Dad, have you read Vice by any chance? No. Okay, so, I mean, without going into too much detail for what Vice is, it's, it's absolutely not a health and safety <laughs> like journal or magazine or anything like that. But it did publish a really good article recently with an interview from the stunt coordinator for Jackass Forever. Oh, okay. Incredible insight into how someone can manage safety in an inherently unsafe mm. film production. I, would I ever have thought I'd be looking at Vice for health and safety <laughs> inspiration? No, not a chance. But hey, here we are. Uh, Road CC, a cycling magazine, recently put a really good article out about a, a, a bicycle courier company in London called Pedalme that's banned the use of helmets by its employees. Incredible discussion from that side. But again, from Road CC, a cycling company. Mm. Uh, and then lastly, on YouTube, I'm a big fan of the it's a visual effects channel called Corridor Digital. And they have a great series called Stuntmen React 2. And they go into huge detail over how specific stunts or activities are made safe by stunt coordinators, safety teams, and production teams. Again, not safety-oriented, but had amazing behind-the-scenes access that you'd never hear otherwise. There's a common thread there, there isn't there. Dangerous sports, I think. <laughs> oh, 100%. But then again, people gravitate to stuff that's interesting. And yeah. honestly, you, people, it was not too long ago, you'd look at health and safety and go, man, that is dull. Right? <laughs> Good. It's this type of thing, you go in a party and say, oh, who are you? Oh, yeah, I'm the health and safety person. <laughs> Suddenly, there's all this space just appears around you as people try and find <laughs> anything else interesting, like paint drive. So... It, it, genuinely, to be able to see so much uh, narrative around the interesting things to do with health and safety without them necessarily being marketed as such, hey, oh, power to it and power to technology for being able to facilitate that as well. So moving on to training plans and the traditional toolbox talks, if we consider ourselves educators, are there any techniques from trainers or teachers that can make boring lessons more fun, which we can use in the OSH? environment oh of course my answer is going to be very easy here because actually uh the best technique i'd like to mention is gamify um as osh professionals we are i think we are always um you know under training basically you know we need to train we need to um, refresh our knowledge um, very often. And I do consider staying in front of a trainer, being a professional and staying in front of a trainer for two, three, four or more hours can sometimes be boring. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, trainers are in the majority of the cases very good and they have, you know, a very good knowledge to share. But no matter how good the trainer is, sometimes it's just boring and also your attention, you know, um, is not always at the same level because uh, attention drops after, I think, 45 minutes or something. So, but, you know, I got the experience of being divided. You know, we were a group of people. We have been divided into smaller groups. And the trainer, at that, the trainer at that time asked us to play a game. This way, if you ask people to play a game, you know, because you, wanna, you want them to learn something, then you're going to get a very good result. Um, you are sure 
you have their attention, the trainee, trainee's attention. And also you can be sure they will never forget what they've learned playing that game. They will not even notice they are learning playing that game. And then also, who doesn't love games? I mean, games are always fun. So studying together with other people, being, you know, interactive, etc., can take all of the trainees' attention. And again, they're not going to even notice they are learning while playing. I mean, it's not that I want to reduce this aspect to, you know, mm, I don't want you to think uh, it's childish, it's a childish experience or something, you know, related to the childhood. But actually, I do think that uh, playing a game on a specific aspect will be more effective than three hours in front of yeah. slides, you know. Yeah. That what that's what I mean. And to me, this is the best technique to avoid boring lessons, actually. Yeah, I mean, I've done quite a lot of work on gamification. We've done a webinar recently um, and it had really good engagement and it really helps it stick in the mind, doesn't it? Indeed, um, and exactly. It really, really does, like you said, in sort of that interactive element. How about you, Peter? How have you used? Oh, there's so there's so many different techniques almost that could be used as part of it. I mean, for, for a little bit of history, when I finished university, I did a, a job called Graduate Ambassador. And that was going out to speak to 16 to 18 year olds to sell higher education, but also to deliver soft skill sessions to them. Um, at the time, God, what year was it? I think it was about like 2015, 2016. And I, I honestly, if I had a pound for how many Netflix and chill jokes I made over that year, it, honestly, I, I wouldn't have needed to work again. But the, the relevant parts to those type of conversations was very much about being a relatable person. People understood Netflix, like the, the audio of 16 to 18 year olds. They absolutely love Netflix and chill jokes every single time because it was contemporary. It was relevant. It fit in with popular culture and it instantly established credibility. So when we started to jump into things like, I literally just said it there, it, gamification, you know, we would make it fun. We would get them up. We would get them active. God, the amount of health and safety training sessions that I've been on where you sit down in a room in a chair for three hours, take a 10 minute coffee break and then bam, two hours again. Snoozeville. Oh, geez. You know, it, it is so dull. It, it is challenging ultimately through uh, digital type of training sessions to still get some engagement. But even still, you can use things like Kahoot. Uh, you can use Slido. You can use Canva. You can use Microsoft Forms in Microsoft Teams, for example. Make it a bit of fun. Get some live feedback attached to it. Hey, press B when you want your presentation. Turn off your presentation so it's a black screen. At the end of the day, you yourself, you are the presentation. Mm. Everything else that you have, well, hey, they're just tools to deliver the content, right? So fundamentally, as long as we can be relatable, we can be interactive, we can be ourselves, we can be authentic. It, I'd say that it's perhaps less about, I don't know, less about what your content is almost. It's just very much thinking about how you're going to deliver it. There's one of my, I tell you, there is someone that I get really inspired by with this, and it's one called uh, Elisa Lynch. And she, follow her on LinkedIn, she's absolutely fantastic. But she absolutely loves to swear, right? But it genuinely makes her conversations, it makes when she shares something that she's learning about and what she's learned, so engaging and so relatable and so interactive. 
uh, she's done a really good podcast actually with uh, James McPherson on rebranding safety and they cover how to engage and how to be authentic as a young health and safety professional in Australia and swearing does come up quite a bit in that conversation it really does so I, I genuinely don't think we can just reject the notion that at the end of the day it might be trainer and trainees but we're all human and hey some of us swear it's quite fun to swear at times and doing that makes us a little bit more approachable one thing that I have heard shared quite a lot through health and safety, it's really become quite apparent this year, is that we can sh share messages and engage with learners by being a storyteller. And that's not necessarily to say that we need to turn everything into an allegory, you know, we need to have an anecdote for everything, but being able to take people through the beginning, middle and end of a particular learning outcome, hey, that, that's absolutely critical. Uh, there's a really good uh, past president of Irish guy called Gerard Hand. And I, got, I did his managing safety course years ago, got back maybe four years ago. But he gives some amazing personal anecdotes on his time at Sainsbury's uh, about some of the work that he'd done in the rail industry in the Far East, as well as some of the work he's done with international football. And it's uh, it's just phenomenal. It just helps every single thing land. It really does. And the times where he doesn't have a personal anecdote, he's made it relevant by sharing someone else's. And like we were saying before, the, the, the context of technical knowledge can also be shared through stories. So, hey, for any aspiring trainer or health and safety professional out there, be a storyteller. Honestly, just, just absolutely be the best storyteller that you can possibly be. Um, and that will definitely be the way to get to know your audience and get to understand what resonates with them as well. And you can start to adapt your messages that you'll need to, your games, your processes to really help everything land. Well, it just goes to show that it obviously works because four years on, you've just recorded it all back to us as well. So there you go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah. Okay. So finally, uh, what podcasts do you listen to for fun? My favourites are Off Menu, which follows a format of a dream meal. So there's water, still or sparkling, appetizer, pop-doms or bread, starter, main dessert. Um, the best episode I've listened to so far was actually last year driving down to Cornwall um, where they interviewed Ed Sheeran. So um, I encourage our listeners to check that one out. Um, my other favourite podcast series is called Lockdown Parenting Hell. Enough said, I think. <laughs> Lucia, what's yours? Oh, well, you know. As an Italian, I, of course, enjoy any kind of podcast or talk uh, of any kind about food, of course, <laughs> you know. Uh, but um, what I got recently inspired by was uh, a particular TED Talk. Uh, well, TED Talks are very famous, so I don't even have to explain what they are. But actually, the name of this one was How to Curve Your, uh, uh, sorry, How to Curve Out Your Own Path from TED Speakers. Basically, during this um, uh, talk, um, uh, those three speakers were uh, there to inspire people to embrace their passions, speak up, even when it's hard, and take a lesson from nature, in particular from water in that case. So listening to this uh, talk made me realize, actually, I'm a multipotentialite person. Um, this is something particular I've learned during this uh, podcast. Uh, because a multipotentialite person is someone interested in multiple things. So these people, they don't have one single passion, but they have multiple. For me, this has always been 
a limit, a negative thing for to attribute to myself. But instead, during this talk, I realized this is a power instead, because actually those people, me, for example, I am good in idea synthesis, rapid learning, and also I am really able to adapt to any kind of situation or topic. And actually, when it, uh, you know, it, it comes to, um, get specialized, I'm very fast in doing that. And I can really find, um, me very in, enthusiastic in doing that on a variety of topics. So this is my suggestion for young people who are approaching the business world, uh, you know, for the first time, et cetera. Really, that in, uh, really inspired me recently. It's a very, very good tech talk. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Multi-potentialites. I've not come across that before. Have yeah, you, it's a new word. Uh, no, no, I've never. I've actually <laughs> literally, I've written it down. Just yeah, it's a great word. So uh, what's your favourite podcast, Peter? I've, I've got to say, I, I'm a huge fan of Off Menu as well. I've, I've discovered it last year. It's actually my wife recommended it to me. And I've just not stopped listening to it. The Michelle Keegan episode, I really enjoyed. The, oh, I haven't heard uh, that one yet. That it's, it's very good for, for anyone who knows a little bit about sort of British uh, pop culture and history and food shows type of thing. They do cover the Michelle Keegan and, uh, well, effectively, the, the British Bake Off issues <laughs> that happened as part of it. So it's, it's good fun. It is very good fun. Um, I'm going to be careful how I, uh, how I say this one so we don't get a little E next to this podcast, but it's uh, SH, asterisk, asterisk good married annoyed is is definitely a really good one that's with two comedians absolutely fantastic very much talking about family life and some of the trials and tribulations of that as well as ultimately having questions from the public as a little set piece it's really good fun um i've I've got to say i'm I'm a a huge nerd i'll be perfectly honest with you when it comes down to learning more stuff about health and safety through podcasts uh, and also just about general development through podcasts as well so there's a couple that i'd i'd really recommend people kind of listen to if they want to have just perhaps a, a broader understanding and a broader insight into different sort of backgrounds. As well but, as this one, of course. As well as, hey, trust me, this <laughs> one's very much up there in terms of the safety <laughs> ones. In terms of the not safety ones, my favourite through and through is one called the High Performance Podcast. And, and that's it's absolutely fantastic. It's Jake Humphreys and Professor Damon Hughes. And it is a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast to get different insights from multiple people of different backgrounds not related to health and safety but with messages that you can very much take from them there's two really good episodes to listen to uh, the first one is one recently last week uh, that was uh, in mid-february from pippa grange titled fear less how to win at life without losing yourself and it very much focuses on how we can take fear we can take nervousness and we can treat it as an energy and ultimately redirect that energy so that we literally fear less and are able to engage with the things that give us cause for concern, nervousness, and fear in a much more proactive and positive way. Phenomenal episode. Nothing to do with health and safety explicitly, but when we very much come to looking at, for example, risk appetites in businesses, absolutely that's characterized by fear in some cases at a board level. So being able to understand how you can take perhaps the energy of a board that's fearful of a particular risk and then redirect it into a positive outcome, 100% safety related. Similarly, there's a great episode from Gareth Southgate. And for those who don't know Gareth Southgate, obviously England football manager, but he very much starts to talk about leadership and how leaders don't need to be loud. What they do need to be is heard and they need to be felt. 
And it very much takes a look at his management and leadership style through football and talks about how he facilitates, promotes and engages his football team to ultimately be the best versions of themselves they can be. And also to avoid some of the negative external pressures that can be applied to it. Same again, we can take those exact same learnings and apply it to ourselves as team leaders, as health and safety professionals really shaping a business. And I'm sure that there's people listening to this that don't have a team, but are a team of 100 or a team of 250, because that's that they are by, they are on their own, but they are not on their own, so to speak. So again, some really good lessons there. Um, other not safety podcasts to listen to is uh, Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett, who's recently joined Dragon's Den. Very, very good insights. An excellent episode with Jimmy Carr that just did the rounds a little while ago, all about how to live a happy life. And completely not safety and not anything to do with that is one called Fishy Business. And that's PH, fishy. Uh, but that's all about cybersecurity. Really great insight from two future leaders within the cybersecurity field doing a lot of interviews. Now, crunch the time here, but safety-wise, there's four that I'm just going to give the titles of. The first one is, of course, the Irish Magazine podcast. The episode that you've done before, Kelly, with Chris Germain, fantastic. Really good He's, he's amazing. Oh, it, it, literally, I was uh, listening to it driving up to Edinburgh, and it was just a phenomenal, sh- very short and very sweet mm. one, but very thought-provoking. Exactly, yeah, I agree. So, Really, really enjoyed that. Um, I'm really pleased to say, actually, Chris has agreed to do a podcast interview with me on a quarterly basis going forward. So there'll be many more to come. Brilliant. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Another couple of ones just listened to, you've got Rebranding Safety with James McPherson. He's done a couple with some really high-profile health and safety professionals, ranging from the likes of Crystal Danbury, who's the group director over at Sainsbury's, through to Ruth Denyer, Mm -hmm. who's, for example, the, uh, I think it's the EMEA, director at Netflix Safety. Uh, the Interesting Health and Safety podcast with Colin Nottage is a really good one. And the last one that I listened to is the Safety and Risk Success podcast with Christian Harris. Now, Christian is a slip safety specialist, but he very much interviews people with different backgrounds and also takes a look at some of the insurance side of stuff as well that for my sins, I actually find really interested <laughs> and a lot of fun to listen to. So yeah, I, what, what I will say though is that when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to TED Talks, if you are passionate about a subject, do it yourself. Engage with it. Start your own. Reach out to people that might be doing podcasts and share your passion with them because we, I, I love hearing people who are passionate about what they do. It, it, it is so easy in some respects to be inspired by that passion. It's infectious. You know, so if you yourself are a passionate person, absolutely consider joining a podcast, starting your own. You have the power to inspire so many people. You, you do it every day through what you do. As health and safety professionals, we live and breathe safety. We do. And we inspire so many around us. So share your positive energy. Take it, channel it, and inspire the world around you for everything that you do. And podcasts are a great way to do that. That's a great note to end on. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you both so much, Lucia and Peter, for a really, really interesting conversation today. I've really enjoyed speaking to you both, and I hope our listeners did too. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next month for another conversation on all things health and safety.